Good afternoon. Welcome to... Is that a human being I could speak with? I... That's a little racist. It might be if robots were a race, but you're not. Well, it's somethingist. Is that a human being I could speak with? Allow me to fetch the lady of the house. Is there something I can help you with, madam? I am Headmistress Kostia Kosenwi from the Self-Subordination School for Girls. Congratulations. I've come looking for one of my students who disappeared earlier this semester, Miss Millicent Brimblebanks. I'm Lucinda Brimblebanks. Millicent is my sister and she resides here with me. I've come to escort her back to the school. She has not yet finished her formal education, nor have we been able to thoroughly break her spirit. Well, well, well. If it isn't Mistress Curds and Way. Millicent Brimblebanks! Nice of you to come all the way to Brimblebanks Manor. Hope you enjoyed traveling alone because you'll be going back alone too. You'll be coming with me, Millicent! She'll be completing her education here, Miss Carsonwee. I anticipated you might say that. So I looked into you too. You are unqualified to educate your sister, Miss Brimblebanks. In fact, you recently failed out of college yourself! Failed? Lulu, is that true? That depends, Millicent, on just what one means by failed. I mean, did not pass so many of your classes that they told you you could not return. Well, by that definition, yes. Come with me, Millicent. I don't want to go back to that horrible school. Lucinda, do something. Ms. Carsonry, I apologize for our inhospitable greeting. Before you and my dear sister depart, won't you come in? We could offer you some tea and crumpets. Well... I wouldn't mind a spot of tea before heading off. Excellent. And while we enjoy our tea, Millicent and I should just love to tell you a story. Oh, yes. Yes, we certainly should. Welcome, class, to the inscrutable Brimblebanks Brothers electronic story time presentation of the happiest years of our lives. Now sit up straight in your chairs and speak only when called upon as I turn you over to the Brimblebanks sisters themselves, Lucinda and Millicent Brimblebanks. But first, take a look outside of Brimblebanks Manor and see who is peering into one of the basement windows. It's exiled masters of the house and former hosts of this program, Bentley and Jameson Brimblebanks. I can't believe we've been reduced to this, breaking into our own home. Technically speaking, it's not our house any longer. And what's more, following our recent incarceration, we are a pair of hardened criminals. Dash it all, I scratched my pinky trying to timmy the basement window open. I think the proper criminal terminology is Jimmy the window open. Well, doesn't someone sound like the new mama of cell block six? Oh, you. Midnight, you stay out here and keep watch. Good girl. I hear voices inside. I wonder what they're talking about. Stick to the task at hand. Remember, after she bailed us out, Millicent told us what we would find waiting in the basement. Right. We must get in there and see to it. Let me just peek in the first floor window for a second and see who it is. I suspect you're going to, whether or not I say you can. It's Lucinda and Millicent. They're sitting down to tea with some stuffy old biddy. Yeah, she looks like someone shoved a constipated ostrich into an ill-fitting grey dress and convinced it it was a school mom. Bentley, I know you and Millicent don't always get along, but... I mean the lady they're talking to. 
She wears the permanent expression of someone who just tasted clam chowder mixed with butterscotch pudding that was left out until they both turned rancid. Bendy, you've seen the woman for all of two seconds. How do you know that's a permanent expression? A little bit the way the lines are etched in so deeply. A little of the bottomless pits of hate she calls pupils. Enough. Let's do it. I wish I could hear what they're saying. Really, Miss Carsonby? It's hard to imagine my dear sister could be as troublesome a student as you suggest. She burned the 200-year-old carved wooden statue of the school's founder, Dr. Callis. It was an accident. And you just happened to have marshmallows? Well. And graham crackers? Uh. And chocolates? I can still taste the smoky goodness. But if Millicent was such a little Miss Miscreant, why would you want her to return to your school? We do not shrink from a challenge at the South Subordination School for Girls, Miss Brimblebanks. In fact, we find it all the more important that a girl like Millicent have her more colorful personality traits bleached clean. And besides, Millicent is a minor. She must continue her formal education, and as she is still properly enrolled in my school, I will see to it that she returns there. Very well. Millicent? No, no. She has us, Lucinda. I'll return to the old Bat's Belfry. But since we have the tea poured and the crumpets plated, why don't we enjoy a little story first? Yes, Millicent. Just so. No objections, Miss Carsonry. As long as you don't keep us longer than the tea stays hot. But of course. Bluebell the Sprite was two and a half inches tall. A bit short for her age, but with a bigger personality than many of her fellow fairy children. She was out late this evening to greet the secret night bees as they entered their hive, preparing for the shift making the dark honey that can only be mixed by moonlight. The day bees who make the golden daytime honey were on their way out. Hey, guys! Hey, Bluebell. How was today's batch? Eh, fine, I guess. I'm just a drone over here, you know. You got any beeswax? Yeah. But it's none of yours. <laughs> it's none of your beeswax. That's funny every day. All right, all right, kid. I got a bag full of the stuff for you right here. Thanks, Guz. You're the best. Eh, I'm just a drone over here, you know. Bluebell was still new to the act of flying, her lavender wings just having sprouted from her light blue skin the month before, so she bobbed and weaved a bit as she carried the sack full of fresh beeswax back toward her home inside a hollow log. Even struggling against the clumsy weight, Bluebell loved flying, her violet hair whipping in the wind, the rush of excitement with every takeoff. She swung the sack of beeswax sideways and spun joyfully in the air. She dropped the beeswax into the knot hole that served as her family's chimney, swooped in through the open end of the log, and managed to catch the sack before it splattered to the floor. She got out her stones, pinecone scales, and porcupine quills she liked to sculpt with, and prepared to get to work. She had a long night of art ahead of her, and she was feeling inspired when- Bluebell! There you are! Time for you to go to bed, honey. It was her parents. But I just got started- No arguing. You've got a big day ahead of you tomorrow. You need your rest. Bluebell tried to remember what was happening the next day that she needed to rest up for. Was she supposed to gather the morning dew for washing their pet caterpillar? Had she forgotten an appointment at the Glittertorium? Was she supposed to help kidnap a human baby and replace it with a changeling? Millicent. Then laugh gaily at the human parents' nagging uncertainty that the creature in the crib was not of their own making. Millicent! Revel in the constant gnawing suspicion that there was a stranger behind their baby's eyes. Millicent! What? They do that! Indeed, but our story must continue. For it wasn't infant swapping at all that awaited Bluebell on the other side of tomorrow, but something much stranger and more exotic. Get a lot of sleep tonight, my pretty pixie, because tomorrow... You're going to school!
Now, this may not seem strange to you nor I, because we are used to school being an important and nurturing part of every human being's development, but this was quite a surprise for young Bluebell, as fairy folk do not usually go to school at all. School? School. But why? Why now? You know that purple pixie down the lane? Foxglove. She was seen by a human girl. She was? Well, very nearly. Word got around and a bunch of us parents decided you kids today just don't know how to keep safe. Your generation just doesn't do things the way we did. And we're worried it's going to get you in trouble someday. So now you'll all be going to school to learn from the wisdom of your elders. To learn to be like us! The next day, off she flew to her first day at the Larkspur School for Fairies and Magical Beings, hopeful and excited. After all, her days had been filled with sun-kissed delights thus far. Why should she expect any change? She met all manner of beings on her way to school. There were pixies like herself, gnomes, brownies, elves, sprites, smurfs. There were not any smurfs. There were. Millicent, smurfs are an officially trademarked and licensed property that we do not have the- Fine. Well, there were some chubby little blue dudes there, but whatever they were, they sure weren't smurfs. Happy. Moderately. Maybe they were smoofs. Millicent! Moving on. She was placed into a classroom with several creatures who were as young as herself. Their teacher, Mrs. Shashalashi, a kind-faced old leprechaun whose salt and ginger hair was piled atop her round head. Salt and ginger does not sound good. Well, it was orange and white. What do you want me to call it? Creamsicle hair? Anyway. Cottage cheese and Doritos hair. But anyway... It's not bad. You'd be surprised. I would. All right, my dear little lads and lassies. Today we're going to play some fun games to get to know one another. After that, we'll sing a song to help us remember one another's names, and then later we'll glue decorations on the leaves. Can we glue glitter on them? Of course you can, Lassie. Now, how does that all sound? Great, said a brownie. Fun, said Bluebell. Smooftacular, said one of the smoofs. Ugh. And the day was just as fun as Mrs. Shoshalashi had made it sound. Bluebell made several new friends, including a yellow and green pixie named Daffodil. We're going to be best friends, Bluebell. Forever and ever. The song was fun to sing, and she got to use as much glitter as she wanted to, and only spilled a little bit, causing a tiny hobgoblin to inhale a wad of it into his lungs. <coughs> and that's how the school learned it needed to have a nurse's office. It was great. Now, children, before you all head home for the day, our principal, Miss Nettles, would like to address the whole student body in the gymnasium of, on this historic first day of school. Bluebell and Daffodil held hands as they made their way with the rest of the student body to the gymnasium, where the school principal, an elven woman with long, pointy ears and silver and green hair, stood in front of a mushroom podium on the stage. Welcome, students, and congratulations on being the inaugural class of the Larkspur School for Fairies and Magical Creatures. I am Miss Nettles, and I am proud and excited to serve you as your principal. I am envious of the opportunity that you have before you, so much to learn and so many ways to grow into the mature, mythical beings of tomorrow. I cannot wait to witness all the ways you blossom and grow. Of course there will be a lot of hard work along the way. We hope you find your years at Larkspur to be the happiest days of your lives, but they also must be productive ones, and they must also be safe ones. Life, even enchanted lives such as our own, are fraught with danger. But not to fear, my little charges, we will keep you safe. Safe from outside forces and, when necessary, safe even from yourselves. Thank you, students. Now get ready to learn. And everybody clapped and cheered. At the time, it just seemed like the thing to do.
this time. The right thing for us to do is to stop and enjoy a commercial break. Hey, June. Hey, Jane. You don't sound like your usual chipper self today, June. Oh, sorry, Jane. It's just that my house has been infested with fairies. Oh, no. I accidentally left some glitter out last week, and I guess that's what attracted them. That'll do it. Now I've got pixies. They took all my change and left colorful leaves behind. There are gnome tracks all over the living room. By tracks, you mean poop. By tracks, I mean poop. Oh, and the sirens in the backyard fountain lured my husband in there and drowned him. Ugh, that does sound like a pain, Jane. I'm doing your date. Whichever. I've tried everything. Rat traps, pied pipers, flamethrowers. Nothing seems to work. Sounds like you'd better call Larry's Fairy Removal Company. Larry's Fairy Removal Company? That's what I said, you whore. What did they do? They've been in business for 700 years, and their top secret method of getting rid of fairies always works. So what did they do? I can't tell you much, but I can tell you it involves hammers. Hammers and skulls. Awesome. I'm calling them right now. No, you aren't. Well, right after we're done talking. Oh, and Larry will sell you some LSD if you want. Awesome. Call Larry's Fairy Removal Company today. We now return you to the inscrutable Brimblebanks Brothers electronic story time presentation of Saved by the Tinker Bell. Dash it all, Jameson. It's blasted dark in here. Bendy, you grew up in this house. You spend most of your life here. You should know your way around. How much time do you think I spent in this blasted basement? You spent most of the time in the blasted basement. Ah, here's what we're looking for. Bentley. This is not what we're looking for. We're supposed to be rescuing the young man Lucinda has being held captive down here. This is the wine cellar. Well, one of us found what he was looking for. Come on, brother. And it's not just wine. There's also Sunny D. Oh, and look at this bottle of Crystal Pepsi. Bentley. Ah, a 1992 vintage. Bentley. Yes, I think I'll pop open this Crystal Pepsi and head upstairs to make a sandwich. We can't head upstairs. Lucinda and Millicent are up there right now. Yes, I can just barely hear them. It sounds like they've started up telling their story again. As years passed, Bluebell continued to go to school. There wasn't much time anymore for visiting with bumblebees, or playing with their pet caterpillar, or even working on her beeswax sculptures. Not between going to school and the ever-increasing amounts of homework. But she had made friends. Sweet Daffodil had been in her class every year, and the two had stayed best friends since that first day. And she was learning all kinds of useful skills. Reading. Making fallen leaves appear to be gold. Mathematic. Identifying which flowers will make people fall in love with one another. Sitting very still and listening for long periods of time. Baby swapping. Millicent! They do it! And while she didn't have much time to work on her beeswax sculptures on her own, at least there were art classes. Her favorite class, with Mr. Wobnob, a gnome who enjoyed painting with flower pigments. You're much better at this than I am, Bluebell. Thanks, Daffodil. But it's not a competition. Art is about making something that's pretty to you. Well, what you're making is prettier to me than what I'm making. You're sweet, but really, it's not just about pretty, either. It's about expressing something you- Okay, you two, let's chit-chat more painting. It's art class here, not gabbing with your friends class. <laughs> yes, Mr. Wobnob. Sorry, Mr. Wobnob. Let's see what you got here now. 
Bluebell, what is... What are you doing? I'm painting. I'm doing the assignment. But you're supposed to be painting that acorn over there. Well, I am. I just... But this doesn't look like how I showed you how to paint it. Well, I wasn't trying to paint it just how you did. Instead of going for realism, exactly, I... But that's how I showed you. I'm sorry. I just thought with art, not everyone... Here, let me show you. Right on my painting. Yes, I'm fixing it for you. And Bluebell stayed quiet as Mr. Wobnob painted over her lines and brushstrokes and splashes of color, taming what she had made and pulling it closer to the object she could see in front of her. There now. Doesn't that look more like what I asked you to paint? Yes, Mr. Wobnob. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things, Bluebell. You know the difference. After that, art class wasn't her favorite anymore. In math class, all the magical creatures sat in neat little rows and stared silently forward while their teacher, a fat little Bogart, who looked like he didn't want to be there any more than they did, droned on and on about numbers and wrote them on a flat stone in front of the room. Bluebell noticed Daffodil staring out of a knothole into the lovely blue sky beyond. She could tell it was calling to her friend, just as it was calling to her. But this was where they were supposed to be. This was what they were supposed to be doing, and... So they sat and tried their best to pay attention. But Bluebell couldn't help but wonder, was this really where they were meant to be? Was sitting and staring in silence for hours on end really the surest way to prepare her for the world? To allow her heart to be happy? Outside, through the knothole, was the gentle breeze she had not felt on her face in... How long? There was birdsong and the chirping of toads. A rabbit she could not see nor hear ran over a nearby hill, running to and from nothing in particular. And a little farther off still, in a tunnel under the forest, a creature gave birth to something strange and dark, with a cold grey stone in the place where its heart should have been. And the thing that was born experienced its first thought and emotion at once. It knew one thing. It was hungry. Poor Bluebell doesn't sound like she's having very much fun learning right now. But you know who always has fun learning? That's right, Neil deGrasse Tyson, but also the science kids. Let's see what the science kids are up to today. Welcome to Science Kids! I'm Dodie! And I'm Jody. And we're the science kids? Are we the science kids? Or are we just presenting information for science kids. Oh, man. I think we're the science kids, but now I'm not sure. Maybe we're all science kids. Maybe there's a science kid inside all of us. How did it get there? That's not today's topic. What is today's topic? Hammerhead sharks! Hammerhead sharks! Let's sing the science kid theme song. Science, 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 science. Let's learn all about hammerhead sharks. Okay, so hammerhead sharks are just like regular sharks, except they have heads that look a lot like hammer. So just take all of your science facts about sharks and stick a hammer on their head. Or take all of your science facts about hammers and stick a shark on their butts. Either way. Yes. What kind of hammer? What kind of hammer? Sledgehammer? Peter Gabriel. MC hammer. Stop. Claw hammer? Who once killed a hobo with a claw hammer? Why? I knew nobody would miss him. I once grabbed a hammer at Home Depot and ran around smashing things with it while humming the music from Donkey Kong that happens when Mario gets a hammer. If you glue a hammer. Oh, I like where you're going with this. If you glue a hammer on the head of a regular shark, 
Will that make it a hammerhead shark? Let's find out! Let's make science! Into the ocean blue! I forgot to bring a hammer! I forgot to bring glue! I forgot how to swim! I never learned to read! I never learned to love. Help us, science! Help us! There's a ladder! A science ladder? Thank you, science! Climbing! Climbing! We made it! Sweet land! Never again shall I forsake thee! <laughs> now do we know everything about hammerhead sharks? Yes! Go, Go science, science kids! We now return you to the inscrutable Brimblebanks Brothers electronic story time presentation of a midterm night's dream. But before rejoining the girls, let's see what progress Bentley and Jameson have made in the basement. Okay, there he is. That chap tied up tightly to the chair over there? Yes. But aren't I to understand this fellow was once Lucinda's fiancée? Well, he was. But Cousin Lucinda has the Brimblebanks family genetic predisposition toward an uncommonly attractive countenance. One would expect a fiancée to have a comely appearance as well. But this fellow, well... He can hardly be said to have a face at all. I know. His facial features have all been smoothed over to a sickly round peach-colored oval. Two thin holes where his nose once was. A lipless slit of a mouth. One eye covered over by a patch of rearranged skin. Yes. Totally not how I pictured her type. Hmm. I believe he used to be, Brother Bentley. Before she tied him up and had that hulking brute of a creature torture and disfigure him. What hulking brute of a creature? I swear, you slept through everything Millicent told us. Trains make me sleepy. It was important exposition. Important exposition makes me sleepy too. Well, there it is. Ugh. It's hideous. A terrible brute summoned to stir the most deeply ingrained fears in the darkest corner of man's psyche, rippling muscles under an armor of black and green scales. A snapping beak with a sharpened razor's edge. Horned snake eyes. Talons like a falcon. A spiked crocodile tail. A perfect nightmare. I wonder what story she found it in. It's facing the boy. Please don't! Don't spit that stuff in my face again! God! Look at the way it lurches its body! Calling up the... God, it burns! It burns! There goes even more of his features. Yes, there's no saving face for him now. Oh, God, don't, I don't even know what to say. Oh, no. Well, what are the Charles Dickens we meant to do up against a face-disfiguring hulking brute of a monster anyway? I have concocted a brilliant plan in that regard, Brother Bentley. Do tell, Brother Jameson. We wait here until it has to tinkle. Brilliant. And so, we wait. Yes, Bentley. Now I have to tinkle. Dash it all, Bentley. Well, you brought it up. Well, do something to take your mind off it. Mm. Try to listen to the floorboards to listen to Millicent's story. Bluebell and her friends continued to go to school for many more years. Bluebell wondered how long would it take for them to learn all the lessons they needed to be grown. Did anyone ever really... She was walking to school one morning, as she always did these days. She had to carry too many books to be able to fly, when she spotted her reflection in a passing puddle. 
Was she really so pale and gray? Hadn't she once been as blue as... She struggled to think of something appropriately blue for comparison. Hadn't she once been as blue as... A smurf. <sighs> she met Daffodil outside of the tree stump where her friend's family lived. Daffodil, too, was slumped over a bit under the burden of books and other supplies required for the schooling. Morning, Daff. Morning, Belle. Bluebell reached out and held her friend's hand. They walked that way for the little way they could before they needed both hands to support their book bags. It's a nice morning. Yeah. What do you have today? She had to ask. Bluebell and Daffodil weren't in many of the same classes anymore. They suspected school officials had noted they'd gotten along too well and kept them away from one another more often these days. I've got a quiz in AP Bio. What's that stand for again? Ancestral Pixie Biographies. Oh, yeah. I have that next term. You ready for the quiz? No, not really. Are you worried you're gonna fail? No, not really. Just don't think you'll do great? No. I think... I think I just don't care anymore. What? Daffodil suddenly dropped her book bag. Yeah, that's definitely it. I, I just don't care anymore. Daffs, are you okay? I think I'm going to go for a flight. But we have to go to school. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to do that today. But, but we have to. Bye, Blue. And with a half-hearted wave, Daffodil fluttered her wings and flittered off into the sky. Bluebell couldn't remember the last time she'd seen her friend flying. Didn't she used to be more graceful? She wanted to fly after her friend, both because she wanted to take to the sky again herself, but also to make sure Daffodil was okay. But school would start soon, and there were penalties for arriving late. She turned and dutifully headed back towards Larkspur. Hours later, she was in hiding from humans class when the principal came to her room. Sorry for interrupting your class, Miss Dingadoo, but I need to see the following students. Tulip, Foxglove, Buttercup and Bluebell. Bluebell could not help but notice that these were all the pixies in the room. If you could all follow me, please. Are we in trouble, Principal Nettles? Not at all. But what? If you could all just follow me, please. The principal's demeanor was even chillier than usual this morning, and the pixies followed her back to her office in silence. I'd like to speak with you one at a time in my office, please. Miss Bluebell, you're first. Principal Nettles held the door open for Bluebell, and then closed it behind her once she was within. Bluebell's parents and the school nurse were all waiting inside. What's going on? Please have a seat, Bluebell. Bluebell sat dutifully on a toadstool. She didn't know what was going on, yet she already felt tears brimming in her eyes. I'm afraid there is no easy way to break this to you, dear, so I'm just going to come right out and say it. One of your classmates, a miss... The principal checked her notes. Daffodil had an accident this morning. Is she... is she all right? No. No, I'm afraid she's dead. Bluebell felt as though all the air had been suddenly sucked out of her body. A great weight tugged at her chest. She did not know what to say, but she opened her mouth to speak. No words came out. She could not tell how much time had passed before she finally managed to ask. What happened? Apparently it was some sort of flying accident. She'd gone quite high up and she's not a very experienced flyer. She used to. We don't know what happened for sure, but she fell quite a long way. In a way, I blame myself. I don't see how you could 
Blame yourself. It's my job to keep these students safe, and I promise you, sir, we're going to do a better job with your daughter and the rest of the students here. We have a plan. What are you going to do? These students, the, these children, are so young. I, I don't know how we could have expected them to be able to handle a dangerous experience like flying. But... But what can we do about that? There is really only one thing we can do. It may seem extreme, but the only real way to keep these students safe from flying too high is to remove their wings. Bluebell felt as though she probably should have gasped at this, but she did not. She didn't gasp at all. I... I don't know. I... I don't like it either, not one bit. If I could think of another way to make sure that they were safe, I would take it. But this is the only way to be absolutely sure. Isn't the safety of these young fairies the most important thing? Of course. Of course. The school nurse raised a stone that had been honed to a sharp edge and took slow steps toward Bluebell. Bluebell wanted to say that if Daffodil had been allowed to fly more often, she might have been better at it. Bluebell wanted to say that maybe if they'd ever had a class in how to fly, instead of always working towards scoring high on some meaningless test, maybe Daffodil would have been better at it. Bluebell wanted to say that part of her was worried that what had happened to her friend, what her friend had done, hadn't been an accident at all. But she did not say any of these things. Somewhere along the way, she had stopped speaking up for herself. Somewhere along the way, she just lost the will to fight. She heard the nurse step up behind her. Don't worry, dear. This will hurt for just a moment. But Bluebell already knew this wasn't true. She knew it was going to hurt for the rest of her life. My tea is cold. What? My tea has grown cold, Millicent. And per our agreement, now that that has happened, it is time for us to return to school. But but there's just a little bit more of the story. I think I can see where it goes from here. That thing from the end of the second act? That thing that was hungry comes to gobble up your fairies and, oh, if only they could still fly, and oh, if only they still knew how to create, and blah, blah, blah. Is that about the gist of it? Dash it all, Miss Carson, we... Could you excuse us for a moment, headmistress? My patience is at an end, Ms. Brimblebanks. It will just take a moment, Miss Carsonry. Millicent, please step into the hall with me. Fine. It isn't working, Millicent. I can see that. I should have known the old battleship was too angered for just a story to budge her. Is it really so awful at that school? Yes, it's the worst. It's just like in the story. Well then, we'll have to do something else. What else can we do? Well, there is something. I don't like the way you said that. I've been here longer than you, Millicent. I know things about this house. These stories. No, Lucinda. But it's true. What they said about this house being a dam between realities and the ritual of the stories keeping the weird things from other worlds out of ours. What are you saying? We let something through on purpose? Maybe. Lucinda, that's crazy. Sure, I hate Carsonry, but I don't want to kill her. It doesn't have to be something that kills her. Lucinda, you can't do that. You can't just decide who deserves punishment and who doesn't without- Why not? If this woman is as cruel as you say and her school as crushing as you suggest, why not? Don't the Heartless deserve to be punished? We're here to tell stories, Lucinda, not act as a jury. The world doesn't play fair, Millicent. You ought to know that by now. I do. So we even the scales where we can. By letting more evil into this world? By unleashing monsters? You can't keep doing that! What do you mean, keep doing that? What? 
I mean, you can't start doing... What do you know? Listen, Lucinda. You've been in the basement, haven't you? Lulu. I told you to stay out of there. Listen to me, Lulu. This isn't like you. I know he hurt you, but... Have you been talking to him? That man speaks nothing but lies. I'll get the door. Whatever he did... He used me. He said he loved me, and when he found out I wasn't inheriting the Brimblebank's fortune, he tossed me aside. I'm sorry, Lucinda, but that doesn't justify- And then, when we did get the house and the fortune, I used it to lure him back here. And the greedy idiot actually came. But what you've done to him- I took away his weapon, Millicent. Now he can't use that pretty face to hurt any more girls, break any more hearts. He also can't leave. Yes. Yes, that's true. I can't let you keep him there. You can't let me. How do you think you can stop me? I already have. What? I've been waiting in the other room long enough. Come, Millicent. It's time to return to school. He's gone, Lucinda. What? No! Do you hear me? Where are you going? To the basement. He better still... You're too late, Lucinda. You? What are you doing here? Cousin Lucinda! How nice to see you. Well, we must be off now. Now! Awkward. Lucinda, please. Don't you even address me, Tobed. Please, forgive me. Never. We don't have time for this. Then let me die. What are you idiots still doing here? You've had plenty of time to free him. You should be miles from here by now. Millicent, you betrayed me. There was a huge monster. What is going on here? Where is that huge monster? Tinkling. Speaking of which, I really need to go to the... Uh, you were supposed to leave out the way you came in. We can talk about it later. That thing will be back soon. Midnight apparently batted the window latch and locked us in. She was keeping watch. Your stupid cat is back too. I think we need to get out of here before... Before it gets back. Enough of this nonsense, Millicent. Time to go. For me too. I can't keep holding it like this. I'm sorry, Lucinda. It's too late for sorry. Your tears can't wash away your sins. An ocean couldn't. Please stop talking about water. <laughs> what the devil is going on here? I think I just heard it flush down there. Oh God! It'll be coming any second. No, very proud. Excuse me. What, Voxbot? What could be so important that you need to interrupt us now? I got the door. We have a visitor. I thought I'd won. Ugh, this guy. Our mysterious adversary. I sent Lucinda here to take this house and these stories from you. You did? Can we talk about this outside before that thing comes back? And I thought that would be the end of it. But these stories kept coming. And frankly, got a little better, right? Seriously, we need to get out of here. It's not enough to get rid of Voxbot. No, it's not enough to exile the brothers. No matter what I've tried, your stupid stories just keep ruining lives. What lives have any of us ruined? My heart got broken. I don't have a face. And in another minute, I'm going to ruin the finish on the floorboards. So... Now there's only one thing left to do. I have to end the Brimblebank's bloodline completely. Bentley, Jameson, Lucinda, Millicent. Time for you all to die. You might have to take a number. What's that supposed to mean? Here it comes! <laughs> Thank you.
listening to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of the happiest days of our lives or we don't need no prestidigitation. Written by Pro D.H. Sprocky and starring Leah Bauer as Millicent Brimble Banks. Colleen Stana Williams as Lucinda Brimble Banks. Pro D.H. Sprocky as Bentley Brimble Banks. And Justin Dinovic as Jameson Brimble Banks. This episode's story was brought to life by the voice talents of Amanda Wilhoyt as Bluebell. Lisa Gavin as Miss Carson Wee. Mrs. Shashala Shee, and the school nurse, Peter Danica's Tobin, Gus, Mr. Wobnob, and Bluebell's dad, Desiree Nelson as Principal Nettleson Bluebell's mom, Emily Nott as Daffodil, and Jared Hofford as the mysterious adversary. This episode's commercial, Larry's Ferry Removal Service was written by Pro D.H. Sprocky and starred Brittany Moore and Sarah Long. The Science Kids Learn About Hammerhead Sharks was written by Pro D.H. Sprocky and starred Hala Aloui as Jody and Amanda Birch as Dodie. Clap your hands if you believe in fairies. Whistle if you believe in gnomes. Shake your booty if you believe in leprechauns. Subscribe to our podcast and like us on Facebook. Then do something nice for you for once. You deserve it. Next episode, at last, learn why the mysterious adversary hates the Brimble Banks. Find out if Millicent will have to go back to school. Learn who will be living in Brimble Banks Manor or if there will be a Brimble Banks Manor left standing at all. All this and lots more in a story we're calling Fisher in the dam. Until next time, this is the Voxbot 5000 saying. <laughs>